So the number one of all time, the prettiest princess of them all is... And now, coming to you from the K2 Studios in San Diego, California, it's the world-famous Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? How y'all doing today? I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 23 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do-do-do-do! Fantastic! How's everybody doing today? Episode number 23, and it is a fun one. Is that right, Christine? Yes, it is. It definitely has some twists and turns. Can't wait for you guys to hear what we have in store for you. Yes. In fact, this is the very first time that Christine and I are doing the podcast, but in separate locations. So Christine, why don't you tell everybody where you're at right now? Well, right now I am in Los Angeles, California. I'm actually, Chris, just a couple of miles away from the Staples Center, which is where the Grammys are going to be happening tomorrow. What? Are you going to be there for the Grammys tomorrow? (laughs) No, but I did get to have dinner right next door to where it's at tonight. And as we drove in, we got to see that the red carpets are all set out. They were setting up all the security checkpoints. And I got to see the walkway where all of the celebrities walk through for their photo ops against the gray backdrop that they have to walk the red carpet. Uh, It was super exciting. I was, yeah, I was super excited. And we drove by the Ritz Carlton right where a bunch of the celebrities are staying. Wait, is that where you're staying at? Is the Ritz? Uh, no, I'm at an undisclosed location right now. Ooh, but... top secret. If anybody knows, <laughs> uh, Christine is a top secret agent, and she can't tell I me am. where she is. She's on a special spy mission uh, <laughs> to find out where celebrities are going to be at on the red carpet. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm up here. Chris knows this, but I'm up here for part of my doctoral program. Uh, we have to do a, a residency. They call it immersion for several days in immersion. year one and year two. Yeah, it's called immersion. And okay. um, I've been in school up here with all of our professors uh, since Thursday. And Chris has been holding down the fort at home and has put all of the work in so that we would be able to do this remote broadcast. Right, Chris? That's right. This is a, Like I said, this is the very first time that any of us, well, Christine's played with it, but it's the first time we did this for our podcast, actually doing a remote podcast, which is kind of crazy to do. We'd never done this before. So here we are bringing it to you. It's a first for everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's been super fun learning a lot of new tips and tricks. As we mentioned a couple weeks ago on the podcast, we got all new podcasting equipment. And because of that, we've been able to ensure that no matter where we are in the country or in the world, that we're still able to deliver high quality content to you, our loyal K2 crew every single week. That's right. Thank you. And I got to say thank you and thank you and you and you for listening to our podcast. And I do want to give a couple of shout outs to some of our listeners. I ran into some this week from my doctoral program that listened to us from uh, one of our loyal listeners from Oahu in Hawaii. (gasps) Really? Yes. I got to talk with her about what she loves about the podcast. And then um, another uh, 
loyal listener from Atlanta, Georgia. Hotlanta. What's happening? Hotlanta. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's been really fun being able to hear from some of our listeners this week about what they love about the podcast and some ideas for how we can continue to grow it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all of the love and support we get from all of you. So, hey, Christine, being that I'm back here in San Diego and I'm by myself and I'm all lonely, um, <laughs> when are you? Uh, when are you coming home? I'm coming home tomorrow. You know that. I'll be heading home just after breakfast time. And it's the last time I have to be away like this for school until I graduate in May of 2021. And then would you become a doctor? Yes, I will be Dr. Christine. Dr. Christine is in the house. (laughs) So if I ever get sick, I guess I could just, uh, hey, uh, honey, hook me up. (laughs) Not a medical doctor. You're so funny. Oh, well, you know. So, hey, um. So, Christine, have you learned a lot while you're up there? I really have. It's been really incredible. And actually, I wanted to share with you, Chris, I haven't even gotten to talk about this with you, but today was really fun. We had this session. um, Well, every day we have classes, and one of my classes this semester is a communications class, and it's co-taught. So we have two professors, but the professor that taught it today is a professor of dramatic arts and she's an acting coach and oh, a really? voice coach. Yes. Wow. And so uh, she was teaching us all types of strategies on how to communicate more effectively. Uh, we were learning about improvisation and she's going to be checking out our podcast and <gasps> giving us some tips on how really? we can improve our quality and our sound. And she's a voice coach for um, Hollywood actors and actresses. Oh, wow. So the pressure is really, on now. <laughs> so it's a really great opportunity for us. And we're just really appreciative. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, that we're getting the support. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. I cannot wait for her to, uh, you know, tell us what she thinks. Yeah, definitely. And help us to continue to grow because that's what we want to do. Everybody's we want to make sure that we are bringing you the best possible shows every week because You know us so well, and you know that we love this podcast. It's like our baby, right, Chris? Yes, it's like a newborn swaddling baby. We got (laughs) to like uh, help it grow and put a little water on it, put a little sunshine, a little water, and bada boom, bada bing. And here we are. Yes, Mm -hmm. definitely. Now, the kids actually miss you too, by the way. I forgot to tell you that. Jacob, Mason, they miss you so much. Oh, do they? Tell me. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, they're like, where's Christine at? So we can wash her car, too. By the way, <laughs> um, the kids put on a, a car wash here at the uh, the neighborhood. They washed my truck, and they washed my dad's, uh, my mom's um, minivan, and they washed our neighbor's car. I had to brought it over, brought it over the neighbor's car, too. And so they washed that thing, too. So um, there was three cars they washed. They made a little cash, and it was fun. You were sending me all those cute pictures and it was making me miss you all so much. And I saw in one of the pictures, you and the neighbor were like sitting in the garage while the kids were slaving over washing her car. It was oh, so Oh, yeah. Funny. We had music going. We had chairs out. We had the music going and the kids were there and I had to show them how to, what to do because they were like holding the sticks backwards and like fighting with them like their swords or something. <laughs> I said, no, no, you got to wash the car and you got to wash it this way and do this and do that. But I pretty much um, supervised for the most part. And they got the kids washing, and they did a great job. They came out great, and it was giving them exercise, getting them outside, and making them a little cash at the side, you know? That's fantastic. And teaching them work ethic is always something that's really important. And I know that you and I have been working on that as we just started working with the boys on 
taking responsibility for earning their own allowance with household chores. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because um, you never start. You can never be too uh, too young to start how to uh, manage money and actually earn your keep around here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And wasn't it you, Chris, that found some story that was talking about how kids that do more chores and have more consistent responsibilities at home have a higher work ethic as adults? Weren't we talking about that? I think we were. I mean, it sounds very familiar, but. Even if we didn't, that sounds about right because it makes sense, you know, if a kid um, learns responsibilities at a young age and learns how to make money and manage money, um, when they get a little older, it's not going to be this new crazy thing that they don't know what to do with themselves. Right. Yeah, that's so true. So one of the other really fun things, Chris, that has happened as a result of me being here at school is I haven't seen a lot of my classmates for over a year and an, almost a year and a half. Actually, the last time that I saw all of them was only three weeks after you and I started dating. Really? Why is that? Yeah. Well, because we only come at the beginning of the program and then at the midpoint of our program and then at graduation. But we keep in contact, you know, that we see each other online um, virtually in our classes every week. And so they all know that I've gotten engaged, but the girls have been so funny for the last couple of days. They've been like, oh, let me see your ring and asking all about you. And all today about we, me? Yeah, wow. asking all about you. And I've been bragging about you. Oh, you have? Uh, Do tell. What's oh, you, about what? Of course. Um, just about what a great guy you are and a hard worker you are. And the thing that they love the most, though, is hearing about the story of how we met Oh, and really? who made the first move and what made me decide to go on a date with you and what piqued my curiosity. And so I was telling the story to one of my girlfriends today about how I was just really almost about ready to give up on dating. And so it was just a really funny story. But I think that a lot of people can relate with that. And speaking of dating and going on dates, we have a very special VIP celebrity guest lined up next and she'll be on with us right after this. The Chris and Christine show is available everywhere on Google Play with Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and iHeartRadio. Hey, what's happening everybody? Welcome back. We are super excited today on the Chris and Christine show. We have a dynamo with us for 10 years. She has led people in the area of love and relationships and has been featured as a dating and love expert on ABC, NBC, Fox and TEDx. Her message has reached over 1 million people around the world. She's a professional relationship and dating coach and is known by many as the Love Radar. I met this individual virtually a few weeks ago when I was intrigued by the new book she was releasing. And Chris and I have both read her new book and we've been super excited to bring her to you today. Her book titled Break the Glass Slipper, Free Yourself of Fairy Tales, Fantasies, and Find True Love in Real Life was just released and is available on Amazon and Kindle. Welcome to the show, Krista Beck. Hi, thanks for having me, Chris and Christine. 
Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. I'm so excited to see what kind of fun we're going to have together. Oh, for sure. And now where are you at right now, Krista? Where in the world? I am based in Austin, Texas, but I work with my clients globally. And currently, I'm actually in West Palm Beach, um, traveling and working from this location. Fantastic. What is the weather like over there? (gasps) Warm and crisp and (gasps) yummy. Wow, I'm so jealous. The storm came in here uh, last night here in San Diego. So it's like all cold and gloomy. Yeah, it's a little under the weather. That's no fun. No, it's not. But we're really excited because not only is today the Chris and Christine show, but it's the Chris, Christine and Krista show. (laughs) Yes. Yep. It was meant to be. Fantastic. So, uh, Krista, we read the book and we did notice that you have a lot of references to Disney and Disney princesses in the book. So the first thing I want to know is... What's your thoughts on Disneyland? <laughs> on Disneyland? Yes. Well, to be honest, I haven't been there. What? Um, so I don't know if I have much thoughts on it. <laughs> I have been to Disney World years ago. Um, right. But it is a magical place filled with wonder. And that's what Disney's really good at. You know, yeah. they're really good at creating that fantasy. And we've bought into that. And that's affected our love lives. And that's what the book's about. Oh, awesome. Speaking of that, you know, for me personally, like I, um, growing up before I started getting into dating personally, like probably my early twenties, like every single thing I knew about dating, I learned from Disney movies and sitcoms. Do you find that (laughs) pretty common? Yeah, that's really common. I mean, we, how much TV do we watch per week? How many movies do we watch per week? I mean, we're inundated with that messaging and we start to believe that it's real and we start to base our dating decisions on what we're, we've been taking in from Disney and Hollywood. And so that's what the book's about. It's about breaking down and exposing these certain mindsets, these certain perspectives, what I call fairy tales that actually really do get in the way of people having the love that they want. Yeah, you know, Chris and I had some conversations about that again last night as we were getting ready for the interview about how it really does influence a lot of different aspects of life. Right. Mm. So, it, it, yeah, it really does. Yeah. yeah what did does. you what opened up for you two because I know that I've had married couples read the book as well and they and especially the women were like, "Wow, I can't believe like those fairy tales are actually still affecting my relationship now." Like with the two of you reading it, what did you two discover together? Well, I definitely, when because we read it separately and then we talked about yeah. it. And one of the things that came up for me is even though I'm a super successful woman, I think still in the back of my mind somewhere, I was looking for a rescuer, even though I didn't need one. Mm. And so mm. talking through that was, and working through that individually was really helpful for me. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And you, Chris? Well, it's kind of the same thing. We're talking about how, like, um, what people do is they put so much emphasis on first looks and how somebody actually looks. And you mentioned mentioned many times that you kind of need to go on a second date with somebody and give somebody a second chance. And you shouldn't put so much emphasis emphasis on the way somebody is looking. Like, I'm into that look. You should really get to know somebody. It takes time to develop that. 
Yeah, that's that. I think you're referring to my chapter that I talk about, like, he's not my type. Right. Um, a it, lot of people do base, um, they will only date their type. And what happens is they actually miss out on a potential connection with someone who actually could be a great long term potential. But people get so attached to that their person has to come in a certain package. Um, that they wind up really limiting themselves. And that's why I chose that. To, I think that's chapter three, to have people really discover what their type is and to do the work to really let that go and just be open to your love, your future love, your future partner coming in whatever package they may come in. I agree with that. And that's a conversation Chris and I had when we were earlier on in our dating relationship. He would ask me, so what's your type? And I would say, well, I don't really have a type. Like there's character attributes mm -hmm. that I'm looking for, but the physical package, I would like to be attracted to that person, but they don't have to look a specific height, color of eyes, hair. Like I know girls like that where they're like, um, I want six five and a volleyball player that studied <laughs> in, I mean, you make your list. And it's has out a there. tattoo on his Right side, you know, very right. specific. Some right. people have it. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, you're one. You're one of the rare ones. I'm the same as you. I don't have a type either. You know, I uh, throughout my life I've dated all kinds of um, different men that don't really fall into any certain um, um, you know, in some sort of box. So I think we're a rare breed, but most people actually do have a type. What were you going to say, Chris? I, I was going to say that that type is that kind of like ingrained in us. Um, subconsciously, like we don't even think about it. You just always seem to kind of go for that single type of person. You always hear women saying, why am I always with a bad guy? Or why do I like, why, why don't I like a good guy? Why am I always drawn to the bad boys? And they always say, well, I want a good guy, but they're always drawn a certain way. Yeah, I mean, there's two different things going on. I mean, the type being ingrained in us, I mean, in terms of looks, it could be how we were imprinted by, you know, we may pick someone that's like our father or our mother, or we may pick someone that, you know, when we were growing up and developing and feeling like attracted to people, maybe there was a certain type of person that was around us. You know, I talk about that in the book of that woman that grew up in Texas around football players and handsome Latino men. I mean, that's what she was imprinted with and that what she was exposed to. So she, those became her type. But then when she moved to China and she was surrounded by all these Chinese men, she, in order to find a relationship, she really needed to shift what she thought her type was. And then what you're saying about women always like choosing the bad guy or wanting the bad guy, that is, that is a part of the type too. But I feel like that one's a little bit more deeper and more sinister um uh, in terms of like the fairy tale story really? um but that's like more more like patterning of like women not coming into their full power and honoring themselves and honoring their um that they deserve love and they put up with maybe bad behavior because they just want someone to love them but then as you all know i mean it doesn't actually turn out well when you choose from that place and so those are two they can be in the same category of the, he's not my type or she's not my type but the one that's like where you're constantly attracting that same kind of person or person that doesn't love you the way you really need to be loved. I mean, that's a little more like a uh, personal self-worth work instead of just altering and noticing what your personal physical trait type is. That's good. And going off of that, uh, we had a question. So we know that in your book, you're trying to help people break out of the fairy tale mentality, but 
kind of contradictory to that, one of the things that I hear from my single girlfriends talking about all the time as they're dating new people is that's a red flag, that's a red flag over and over again to discount guys. What's your take mm-hmm. on the red flag mentality? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I actually call my clients out on that. Like I work with single people who are looking for love again. I work with them VIP and in my group programs. And I do find when I'm on phone calls with them that they will say that like, oh, you know, I noticed that they have kids, but they don't maybe see them too often. That's a red flag. Or they didn't really have nice shoes. That's a red flag. Like a lot of people will just make up things that are red flags. Um, red flags are like really abuse level things, like narcissist level things, like very, like a red flag to me is like someone is really unhealthy for you, um, because of how they're showing up in their lives. Like maybe they feel that's a red flag. Maybe they've had lots of relationships where, um, they never get complete with their past partner and they have this string of, you know, angry women or angry men behind them. You know, that's a red flag. You know, those extreme things to me are red flags. I like to say, okay, maybe that's a pink flag for you. Pink you know, flag. it's a little lower term. <laughs> I like that. Pink flag. You know? I'm going to say that with my girlfriends right now. I'm going to ask them on the spectrum of color. Is this a white surrender flag, a pink flag, like maybe I should ask a follow-up question, or a red flag, yeah, danger, Will Robinson. I think we're on to something, Krista. There you go. <laughs> well, here's the thing, too. Like, when I work with my clients, I, I, you know, I mentioned this in the book, too. I help them design their dating compass, and it's a more empowering, more focused perspective to come to from when you're dating where you're actually focusing on the focusing on the core characteristics that you really need and want so a lot of times and then when you have that you get more strategic you're able to sort more powerfully you actually really know what you're looking for when you're not looking for but when people just blindly go into the dating scene and they're just basing it on chemistry and who they're attracted to the only thing they really have are these red flags or pink flags they're just trying to find something. And sometimes I find a lot of single people fall into the trap of looking for red flags, looking for the bad in the other person. Mm-hmm. It's so much so that mm. it creates a wall and it actually sabotages themselves. I think I did that a little bit. Now I think about it. Yeah. You know, Chris and I, yeah. our, our story is a little interesting, sorry, interesting in that we met online And Chris has talked a little bit about his struggles with that before we met. Do you want to share a little bit, Chris? Yeah. Like I was on match.com for like forever, probably like almost a year. And I dated a lot on there and I was about to just give up on the site altogether. Just like, all right, whatever. I'm going to close my account. I'm just going to let it expire. And probably maybe a week or two before it let it expire, uh, Christine hit me up. (laughs) <laughs> they wanted to go out. And I'm like, uh, okay, I'll give it a shot, you know, kind of a thing. But- yeah. And on the flip side, I was on a lot of different apps trying to date and I found it exhausting. So I actually mm. took a break from it for five months and had to recalibrate and get clear on what I wanted. And then coming back out of that, two weeks later, I met Chris. And that actually brought up something from the book that, or I think maybe it was on your Instagram page that we read. And it was a quote where you said, online dating is not exhausting. It's how you approach it that makes it so. Can you tell us what you meant by that? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. People, you know, how you approach online dating is everything. It's how you approach it. Because here's the thing. Most people think that they're just going to go on match.com. They're going to go on Bumble. They're going to go on any dating app. They're just going to upload a picture. They're going to write a few words and then boom, poof, they're going to go on dates and they're going to meet the love of their life. People actually have that. That's what's true. That's what the advertisements promote. That's what everybody thinks is going to happen. They think it's going to be this easy thing. And that's where the disappointment, the struggle, the overwhelm, the, the you know, you get tired of it all. But when you, and this is what I do, do the work with my clients, when you approach it in a way that's like, hey, this is like fishing. This is like giving a business card to someone. There's a lot of, there's, there is some work involved, but if you clearly know what you want, you've positioned yourself online powerfully to attract your specific kind of person. And you have the certain mindset, like, I'm just going to make this light and fun. I'm not going to take it personally. And then just see which kind of fish you catch then it becomes much more pleasurable and fun. And plus people actually don't strategically know how to actually in real time know how to online date. People just swipe, 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 and then they get overwhelmed with all the people. And then they try to message all them and then they get burnt out. Uh, The way I teach is more of like a slower, more calmer um, trickle type online dating. So you're being consistent, you're being steady, but you're not getting overwhelmed and you're taking time to develop a connection with someone over time. And I actually teach people how to decipher who are the people that are actually real life potentials and who are not, because that's the messy thing about online dating. You don't know if this is a bot, if this is a person who's actually ready for a relationship or someone who's just messing around out there. So there's ways that I teach my clients how to be able to sort so you don't get emotionally triggered or masked up or feel tired and depressed. It can be depressing. So it's definitely it's online dating itself is not tiring. It's really your attitude and your mindset and how you're approaching it. One of the things that just came up for me as you were talking, Krista is, you know, Chris and I were co-parenting three boys and I'm going to give a little visual. So we took the boys on Saturday night out for a birthday dinner and it was at an all you can eat buffet at Legoland. And what happened was the kids go out with all of the choices and they start to pile up way more food than they can ever eat in one (laughs) sitting. And they proceed to like sit down and as they get full, push back past that. And we're telling them, slow down, slow down. You're going to get a tummy ache. You're going to end up getting sick. And they're like, no, I've got more room. I could do it. I could do it. And they keep eating. And we're like, no, you need to slow down. So that's like the good friend on the outside saying, maybe being on 10 apps isn't a good idea. But then what ends up happening, yeah, what ends up happening is afterwards, after you sit with it for a little bit, and maybe you've run around or whatever, you get this, oh, I ate too much, sick feeling. Mm -hmm. And in our case, you end up cleaning up puke from the bed at 3(laughs) a.m. But it's, that's the visual it makes me think of is when you try to go all into dating too fast instead of being tempered, you know, like Chris and I were a little bit more seasoned. It was okay. Just because there are all of these options doesn't mean all of them are best for me right now. 
So I love that metaphor. You're that's welcome. brilliant. Can I use that? Because that's <laughs> yes. a great metaphor of having this buffet and taking all the things and then you can get sick. Same thing happens in online dating. I love that. That's brilliant. You just, you brought so much clarity. So I'm going to use that now with my girlfriends. Thank with, you. On the online dating, <laughs> um, on the note with the online dating, do you find a lot of people will just kind of like... Um, try to line up as stack as many as they possibly can in the course span of their, because I know you got to pay for all these sites you got to pay for. So you'll have like say a month trial. Well, they just stack as many as they can in that one month. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, I mean, it's again, that's another like um, misconception that you, you think you're going to just get on there in one month and then you're going to find some dates. I mean, sometimes it takes some time to kind of, especially if you haven't been online dating in a while, you want to give it at least three months to six months in a realistic time frame and be consistent. People actually think that online dating is supposed to be this instant thing, like a microwave oven. Right. No, it's more, you have to think of online dating more of like the, the long game the, I'm going to consistently be, I'm going to consistently be on here for the next six months. I'm going to pace myself. But when people try to do that, that's when they get frustrated and then they delete the app because they think it's supposed to be this fast thing. This is all about developing a connection with someone over time, meeting only with pe- only investing your time online with people that are interested in meeting in person right. and then meeting in person and then developing a connection. So online dating is just like the beginning piece of it. So you can't really rush through that. Right, right. So just imagining that you do find someone online or any kind of date, you go mm-hmm. on your very first date with somebody. Now, you do mention in the book about um, one of the first things people talk about when they do go on a first date is they want to compare like, well, what do you do? Or your, I mean, mm-hmm. it may not come up, but financial, depending on what your job is, like if I'm a lawyer or whatever. So um, we do talk about financial comparisons. Is that a real hang up for people on deciding who they should date? I mean, I think it depends on the, yeah, sometimes it is. You know, sometimes people have it that they're looking for someone specifically at a certain income range. Um, That could be actually something that they've thought through and they've come through through deep introspection. They're like, look, it actually makes sense for me to be with someone who is financially um, successful because I want them to match my level of success. It would be a great match with what I'm wanting to create. Then that's more thoughtful. But But there are many people that like, oh, I just want to meet someone rich and wealthy, And I just want to find anyone like that. Or it can be the opposite, you know, like, you know, you know, there can be all different reasons why, you know, people have financial as one of their key things. Um, I'm not sure if that really answers your question. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think it kind of, it feels kind of rude. I've always heard like, don't mention what you make or what they make. It's kind of like a personal thing. You probably should bring up, not like on the first date, but... You know, but it, like I don't think you specific- never need to bring it up. It's like you're this is a stranger that you're, that you're talking to. Are you going to just tell people on the street right. at the bus stop or on the on subway or you know at the gas station what your income is? No, this is a stranger. You don't need to tell them all your deep dark secrets. You don't need to tell them what your income is. This is a private matter. Over time, when you get to know someone, maybe if you want to compare notes in that way. But I don't think it's appropriate to talk about find what you actually make on a first date. Yeah. And in one section of the book, you actually talk about like when one of you has a potentially quote unquote more high powered role and how that Mm -hmm. can in the dating context bring up insecurities on either side, like for the woman saying, well, 
I don't want to compete or I don't want him to feel less than a man. And I think one of the things that stood out to Chris and I, not to speak for him, but he brought it up. We read over, it's page 149, like three (laughs) times last night, talking about... Because I've had some recent, we were celebrating something last night, a big milestone for me, and Mm. we were talking through it, and we read that section of the book to again remind us that he sees me, regardless of role, as the authentic Christine, when so many other people just see the title. Yeah. Yeah, so that was powerful. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's all about, like, a lo- that's in the chapter of um, what women, a lot of successful women like yourself, I don't know if you ever fell into this, but a lot of successful women are told either that they're intimidating or they think they're intimidating and they think that they need to diminish themselves in order to be more pleasing to the opposite sex. And so I really break that down in that chapter that your man like your man, Christine, mm-hmm. you know, you. really appreciates who you are. It doesn't matter really what you make or what you're up to. It's like, I, I think it's more of like a value alignment and being in, uh, being together for the future and what you're both creating for your future. Right. That's so spot on. Thank you so much. Yeah. So we did have just a couple more questions for you. And this one is a little bit more personal because we know at the beginning of your book, you get a little bit vulnerable. But what has Mm. been the most difficult lesson you personally have had to learn about love in your own relationships? I really do think the most difficult lesson is to to to, that a man isn't going to sweep me off my feet. Mm. Like I, I really bought into the fantasy of that. I'm going to find my Prince charming. He's going to sweep me off my feet. He's going to charm me, woo me, take me on trips, buy me gifts, do all the things. There's going to be this unbelievable connection. Right. And then that's how I'm going to know. And, you know, I've been, you know, as I mentioned in the book, I was burned pretty hard. But you know, that wasn't the only case, you know, when I was younger, you know, maybe it happened a couple times where I just wasn't grounded in what I needed and wanted in a partner. And I got more carried away in the fairy tale of it all and the chemistry of it all. And that's, I would say, one of the main reasons why I wrote the book is because I really wanted to help people to be able to distinguish their own fairy tales so they can just sidestep some of the pain that mm-hmm. I personally experience in my life in relationships so that people can really like feel some freedom around that and make some more powerful choices in dating that are in alignment with what they truly need and want. Now, do you find that being kind of like when you're younger, going through those phases, like really early, like really young, like early 20s maybe? When I went through those phases? Yeah. Let's try to figure I think, it out. I mean, I mean, I don't think it's been until like really like about like 10 years ago, like mm-hmm. or so that I really started to distinguish these things, especially, you know, with, you know, doing the work for myself and then being able to have the privilege of working with successful single people around the world and being able to help them and really distinguishing like this wasn't something unique to me. This is something unique. This is this is something that's ever so many people have. And that's why I wrote the book because I really wanted to expose these fairy tales that are, everybody's got at least one. Right. And they really get in the way. And so one of the things that I think we were trying to get at, because we were asking this question of ourselves last night was, 
who's the yeah. target audience for the book? Like, do you find it's more 20 somethings? Do you find it more single moms dating after divorce? Or is it the full spectrum? Who did you design it for? Well, I mean, I had to make a serious choice as the author, like, who am I writing this book for? And, you know, so many people were saying you should write it for everybody. But then I'm like, you know what, I can't really go as strong and powerful with it unless I really pick. And I and I chose women, women who have had been in relationships before, you know, women who have fallen into these different categories that I talk about in the book. And these women could be like successful CEO women to like teenagers have even been reading this book and getting something out of it. Mm-hmm. Everyone that's been exposed to movies and Disney and Hollywood is is susceptible to having their love lives be um, infringed upon mm-hmm. by those messages. So um, it's, it is for women. But you know what's interesting? Men have read the book as well. And they said, wow, this was so insightful. Now I understand why women are doing certain things that they're doing. So it right. actually, from the male perspective, has been empowering them on the dating scene as well. And dads have been reading it and they're like, I, I, now I know what to tell my daughters. Now I know I can give my daughters this book. So while it is designed for single women, I find that people from all backgrounds are getting something out of it. That's great. That's so awesome. Um, I know, I, right? I love uh, yeah, it. Um, I have another quick question here for you. It's, it has to do with something yeah. happens here in um, Southern California. Speaking of that in Southern California, Southern California, it's actually very, very expensive to live here. I don't know. I mean, you should have been in New York, and and it's probably expensive there, too. But here, Texas. Austin. But here in Southern California, it's super expensive. Rent's super expensive. So what you find is a lot of millennials, uh, what they'll do is they'll live at home well beyond – they should be, you know, (laughs) because it's very expensive. So (laughs) do you find that because you live at home, that kind of, like, diminishes your dateability, so to speak? Ooh, okay. So do you, is your question, if someone lives at home, basically, does it, yeah. does it diminish their dateability? Yeah. yeah. I think it really depends on the context of why they live at home. You know, like if it's where they're living at home, they got a great career, they're up to something, they're passionate about things, they got a great community, great friends, you know, they, they got have things going on and they're using living at their parents as a stepping stone to be able to like create their own life. Like that's really empowering. Like I don't think anybody can be like looked down on that. But if someone's living with their parents, they're coming in and out of jobs. They're not really up to anything. Right. You know, that's a whole different context. You know, like you can position living with your parents. You can sell it any way you want, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> that, used to be, that used to be one of my red flags was if somebody lived at home, I would say, I don't care what they're doing. If they're living at home, uh, eh, no, never mind. That was my red flag for me. Oh, see? Okay, see? And see, I, I respect that too. But then what if it was just this person and it was short term thing and they had a lot of issues in their life, like some bad things happened to them and then they had to do it. And they, it was a temporary thing. But at the core, they were a great person. They would love you immensely. They would be a great long term partner. But you actually just met them in this weird transition period. Do yeah. you think you would have said no to them if you knew all that? I don't know. It kind of depends, you know. I guess it. I guess it kind of depends if 
if they were already previously out on their own, like they already had their own place, right? And they had to yeah. take a step back and fall back to the parents, yeah. like a crutch, like a temporary thing. That's a different story. I'm talking about someone who's never left the nest and they're just like mm. riding it out for, to the sunset, you know? <laughs> well, what I think well, you did, Krista. Well, I- probably like, uh, I mean, you can, honestly, you can find people in their 30s still living at home. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can. Yeah, yeah. But what I think you've done is you've caused him to reflect, which demonstrates your expertise as a coach. So not like he's going to go out and find another gal. I think he's, you know, he's put a ring on it. We're pretty good. (laughs) So we have... I mean, it really, yeah, it's really just looking at the person as a whole. And that's why I'm a big advocate for taking time to get to know someone so you can really collect all the information instead of on a first date, like trying to decide whether someone's going, you're going to marry them or not on the first date or not. Like just allow time to, for love to bloom and to collect all the data to see who they really are as a person. Um, That's what I would advocate for. Oh, thanks. That's fantastic. Yeah. So we have one final question for you, Krista, before okay. we kind of bring it to a close. Okay. And it's a big one. Do you okay. believe in love at first sight? Mm. I believe in love at first sight for 1% of people. <laughs> that's a great answer because that's something that we know goes along with this fairy tale fantasies is that people build up that I'm just going to know when I see them. Mm-hmm. And that's not always the mm-hmm. truth. So hold on people, give them a time to grow on you. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. And that's what I talk about in the, in the book. I love that you brought that up because people think that when they first meet someone that They'll know it's them. They'll know that they're their partner, life partner, if there's uh, like this extreme chemistry and connection and so much fun and sweep you off your feet kind of feelings. And when people don't have that, what they wind up doing is they think, oh, well, then this wasn't a good fit. And then they just text them. Sorry. (laughs) It was nice getting to know you. We're just not a good fit. And where there was no time given to really see how that person could develop over time. And so that's one of the pitfalls people really fall into is really thinking that love at first sight is going to happen for them, that they're going to know at that first, but you don't always, you don't know. Most people don't know when they first meet someone. Some, I've met people that when they first met their partner, they couldn't stand their partner. Their partner <laughs> annoyed them. Yeah. And then over time with mutual friends and getting connected, they started to fall in love with each other. And then they were married and created a family. So it's just, it's a, <laughs> yeah. So it's just another fairy tale that we got to pop, break that glass slipper of that fairy tale and spend time getting to know people. I love that. Awesome. And thank you so much for answering all of our questions. As you can tell, reading the book brought up so many and We love being able to chat with you. Obviously, you're super talented at what you do and you're an expert in this area. We wanted to read one of my favorite quotes to end this. And then we're going to give you a chance to tell people where they can find you after the podcast. And so the quote is, some men may be intimidated by you, but it doesn't mean you are intimidating. A confident man values a woman with ambition professional savvy, 
and who can hold your own. Thank you for that, Chris and Krista. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Well, thank you for your Um, book. So where can people find you? Well, I think the best place for people to find me and um, is to go to datingiqquiz.com. Because I created a really fun quiz for them to really be able to see like, where they can look at so they can track where they're on track to find the relationship of their dreams and areas that they need to focus on. So it's just four minutes. People love it. It's free. Just go to datingiqquiz.com. And then from there, you can get, you can get your results, see what your IQ is, see what your score is. And then if they're interested in taking next steps to work with me, I prescribe them from there. That's wonderful. And friends, you can go on Amazon and you can find Krista Beck's book, Break the Glass Slipper, Free Yourself of Fairytale Fantasies and Find True Love in Real Life. Buy it now. It's fantastic. Chris and Christine, highly recommend it. Thank you so oh, much. Yay. Thank you so much, Christopher, for coming on the Chris and Christine show today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for the honor of being on the show with you. I love connecting with you too. Thank you. All right. Have a good day, Krista. Okay, bye. The Chris and Christine Show is now on Instagram at the K2 Show San Diego. Check out our latest pictures, videos, show teasers, and life updates on Instagram at the K2 Show San Diego. And now it's time for Hot Topics. Do, 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 do. Fantastic. Our very first Hot Topics from across the country. I mean, sorry, across the distance of being separated. <laughs> Yes, I'm not that far away, Chris, but I am about 120 miles away. 120 miles as the crow flies. You know what I'm saying? Well, thank you so much for Krista coming in here on the studio uh, with us today. And that was fantastic. Now, she mentioned Disney and Disney princesses a lot. Now, I want to say we have a list of the 14 hottest Disney princesses. For the record, Chris came up with this, people. It's not like I'm checking out the princesses and rating them. However, I will be weighing in my opinion. Well, this is not my list per se. (laughs) It's actually written by Cosmopolitan Magazine. All right, Chris. Well, let's hear it. What you got for me tonight, baby? Okay. What I got for you tonight is ranking the hottest Disney princesses. We got number 14 comes in with... Snow White from the movie Snow White. Yeah, I I can see that because she was pretty low key. I mean, I mean, no, Snow White was an older movie, and it's been you know digitally remastered and all of that. But she was very quaint, and I mean, she did live with a whole bunch of men. So what? Like oh, little the dwarves. dwarves. That's right. That's right. 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 Yeah. And so she was like keeping the house a lot and stuff like that. They, did they put her to uh, work? That was, that was another one, but uh, what does she do? I, I haven't seen uh, Snow White in a very long time. Probably she sang to out. the birds. She cleaned the house. She cooked for all the seven dwarves. Wow. And, yeah, <laughs> she was pretty busy. Wow. Um, but I could see that she might be a little bit lower on the list just because she was, I don't know, very basic. Maybe it was because the animation wasn't as detailed. I wouldn't categorize it as hot or not hot i would just say that she was more innocent okay well the next one on our list this one classifies maybe if you're into some weird other (laughs) special stuff because the next one is 
Nala from The Lion King. Now, Nala is a lion, or sorry, a lioness. A lioness. I don't have any idea why she made this list. I mean, she had some very good animated features on her face, but if we're ranking the hottest Disney princesses, take her off the list. I don't know who made this up, but gentlemen, whoever, or ladies, whoever compiled this, Take the animals off the list. I think it's because maybe she's kind of cute and people love cats and love kittens and they love like furry animals. That's got to be what it is. And she's a cute furry animal with a sweet voice that kind of play has a little flirtation flirts with the other dude, whatever his name is. Simba? With Simba, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the next one on our list, we have Aurora. Now, Aurora is from the movie Sleeping Beauty. I really did like Sleeping Beauty and I like Aurora, um, but she was like, she didn't have a lot that she did other than sleep and be rescued. And, you know, if we're going back to what Krista was saying in her Well, that sounds like a regular chick if you ask me. You know. Hey, but if we're going back to what Krista talked about in her interview earlier, it's like she was just waiting for Prince Charming to come and rescue her. And while that might be hot to some guys, I mean... I don't think it's hot to all of them. Um, it just depends, you know. The sons look cute when they're sleeping, but you know, I mean, they got to do something more than that. You know, <laughs> ever heard of the term "dead fish"? You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> anyways, okay. The next one on our list is number eleven, and that is Elsa from the movie Frozen. Okay, now I think Elsa was very beautifully animated with her long blonde hair. But seriously, how could she even keep her head held up with that much hair? It was like cascading and like this gigantic ponytail and all that kind of stuff. But, but can't she like freeze stuff? You know what I'm saying? She did. She froze stuff. And then she was very distant and cold to men. So I don't know. Maybe you guys wow. like that. I mean, this you used like, to tell me you like mean girls. This sounds like every girl I've met at a bar, you know? <laughs> Nothing new there. You know With what I'm saying? the exception of me. So that was BK, right? Yes. B, to all BK. All BK. <laughs> okay. And number 10 is also from Frozen and is Anna. Anna. Oh, Anna. Sorry, Anna. I, I, I read it as Anna. Sorry. But it's Anna. Anna. A- Anna. Sorry. Well, it looks like Anna to me, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, she was cute and perky and like. Oh, yeah. Totally. Into adventures. Oh, yeah. But she was also mischievous and Ooh, a little like bit it. naive. She's probably the one that I would hook up with on this whole list, I think, is probably Anna. <laughs> She's kind of gullible, you know? I mean, if she falls what for that, that one say guy. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I don't know. So we're on to the next one on our list, number nine. Actually, I like number nine better because of her crazy hair. It's Merida. Merida is that Merida? Merida. 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 From the movie Brave. If you see yeah. the movie Brave, it's the girl that has the long, curly red hair. Yeah, like, I like her she, hair. Oh and then yeah, she's I like love a her firecracker. Hair. It's like girl power. Yeah, like shooting bears with bow and arrows off horseback and all that crazy stuff. She, you know, she can like probably cook you dinner and kill it too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, if we're going in that direction with bow and arrows, the next one on our list for the hottest Disney princesses, we got number eight, Pocahontas. 
Okay, so first of all, I don't know how you convinced me to do this list tonight, but this is hilarious. (laughs) Why? Isn't that great? Pocahontas (laughs) is a Native American, and she met a guy named John Smith. And through the magical powers of magic, they were able to communicate and fall in love. Yes, they were. And I think this goes back to what you were talking about in the interview with Krista a little bit earlier around certain girls that always fall for the bad boys. And Pocahontas definitely fell for the bad boy on this one. She was like willing to let go of her family and everything. I don't know if that's considered hot. I think that's a little bit desperate, but we're just going to roll with um, it. Instead of riding in on a motorcycle, he rode in on a pirate ship. So, <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the captain now. <laughs> captain Smith, show me your ladies. Oh Where's my your- gosh, I didn't even think about that because, yeah, Captain Smith. All right. <laughs> there you go. All right. Fantastic. Now, number seven is from one that I have never even seen, or I think I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. It's Tiana from a movie mm-hmm. called The Princess and the Frog. What's that about? I love Tiana. I loved her class and the way that they drew all of her costumes or animated all of her costumes in the movie. Um, But even more than that, when I go to Disneyland, she's one of my favorites to see in person just with the detailing of her dress because it's not like Cinderella's, which is like a little bit extra. It's just, it's classy and very poised. I like Tiana. Okay. If I was a princess, I'd be Tiana. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. The next one on our list we have is Cinderella. Now, Cinderella is from the movie Cinderella, if you haven't figured that out. Now, Cinderella. What's up with Cinderella? Christine, what you got? Well, you know, uh, this one being number six on the list, I had to think about this a little bit because, you know, I think about Cinderella. She was a hard worker. Um, She knows how to doll herself up. Um, oh, she can make her own like um, wedding dress out of like scraps and stuff with like the birds, like seeing right. the birds and getting right. them to contribute. Uh, but you know, beyond that, I don't know why she was ranked so high. Well, she was all dolled up. Remember, the guy was like chasing after her down the stairs, like, "Hey, come back, come back, don't go away!" And like, she was so beautiful that like he stopped the entire ball to chase after her yes i've seen cinderella it's like one of the only ones i've seen so except for a few other <laughs> well ones. every time i see that though i'm like girlfriend why did you leave your shoe like you were you said you were in a hurry but if you were in that big of a hurry you'd pick up the other shoe to help you run faster so that you didn't hurt your you feet. know i wonder if they made cinderella today instead of a shoe she like left her iphone and the guy <laughs> is like trying to like hack it and he's like trying to use the eye scanner or the whatever it is face scanner on all the different chicks in town like just <laughs> like in the movie when they put the uh, shoe on the different chicks he like takes the iPhone. He like shows, shoves it in every chick's face in town. Are you the chick? Are you the chick? And that's how they do okay, the movie. So there's this actual story or this actual rendition of the Cinderella, and it has Hillary Duff in it, and she does leave her cell phone. What? And so the guy that's playing the quote unquote Prince Charming of the high school yeah. has the girls all line up and tell him what songs are on the playlist, oh. and it's like a modern day turn, modern day take on I Cinderella. Think- I think I like mine better. I do too. Okay. I like the face, but this is before the face recognition right, right. was on there, okay, but that's pretty cool. Yes. Okay. Next one we got is Rapunzel. Now Rapunzel is from the movie Tangled, which is, uh, what is that? The long hair chick, right? 
Yeah, the one that was kept up now, in a tower. So she was hot? kidnapped. What's so hot about her? Um, I think that because she had these big eyes is what they were looking at. But the thing is, she was barely 18. She was it was like her oh, really? 18th birthday on the movie. Oh. So the fact that they put her on this list is like borderline uh, jailbait. Well, if you want to speak in jailbait, our very <laughs> next one on our list is number four. And that is Ariel from The Little Mermaid. And if you remember correctly, in the movie The Little Mermaid, how old was she, Christine? She was 16. 16 years old. But since she was a mermaid, she's in like fish years. So she's probably more like 45. You know <laughs> Actually, she had several different uh, editions of movies and spinoffs. And so she was older throughout those. So I could see how like as she grew up, they thought that maybe she was hotter. But in the original, let's keep her off of this list, but especially she was, uh, not number but She was a pretty good singer. So I think you get that with the singing and being a mermaid and the singing. And guys love the little bra seashell thing. And I can see that. So, you know, I mean, I get it. You know, I get it. You know? <laughs> Okay, the next one on our list, number three, is I've never seen this one either. It is Mulan from the movie Mulan, and I have no idea what Mulan is, Mulan is about. What's it about? So so it's a really interesting story. They're actually going to be doing a remake of it in like a live action version, and I'm really excited about it. So I've seen Mulan, but it's based off of a novel called The Woman Warrior, and it's like a very historical piece of literature. But it's about this young woman who goes out to defend the honor of her family because her father didn't have any boys and they had to send at least one kid to war. And so she dresses up as a man to defend the honor of her family so wow. that her dad doesn't have to go. So it's like girl power girl representing. Power. Yeah. Sounds like, sounds like Wonder Woman or something. Kind of. Okay. Awesome. So the next one on our list is Belle from the movie beauty and the beast and who doesn't love bell she is like the nerdy pretty girl that hooks up and falls in love with a scruffy like mean guy <laughs> or monster or whatever right so again i don't understand why she is so high up on the list because if you look at it from my perspective is she was trying to fall for a guy that wanted to lock her up mistreat her was emotionally unavailable and yet she gives him chance after chance after chance, even when she tries to look at his rose. And she has this belief that her love can change him. Wake up, Belle. You're no, pretty I think what all, it is. I think the guy who, this isn't who a fairy made tale. the I think the guy who made the list is saying, like, look, we've got a chance too. Look at <laughs> this guy. I mean, look what he can do. And so we got a shot at pretty girls too. That's probably why they boosted her up on the list, I would think. So the number one. Of all time, the prettiest princess of them all is Jasmine from Aladdin. Thank you very much. <laughs> she is so okay. exotic. From, She's if so I'm beautiful. looking from a guy's perspective, I She's could so see beautiful. So because beautiful. of her curves. Oh, and, yeah. I didn't think about that, but yeah. And that she's very exotic. Oh, yeah. And she's like a woman of mystery. She's playing hard to get with Aladdin. But very other than that, like she doesn't work for anything. She's can, I, can I tell you that entitled. almost almost everything I knew about love, I um, based it on the movie Aladdin. What? You know, like, uh, you know, being flirtatious and all that kind of stuff. I learned <laughs> I learned that stuff from watching Aladdin. That explains so, so much. Does it? Doesn't it, though? Yeah. <laughs> Aladdin was like me 
pretending to be cool. For Prince Ali. Prince Chris, by the way. <laughs> and and Aladdin was like, I mean, and Jasmine was like any girl that would like give me the time of day. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. I I'm never gonna let you live that one down. Oh well, okay, thank you. Now it's on tape, and we got that for everybody to listen and enjoy. You're welcome. And that is our <laughs> official list of the hottest Disney princesses ranked from 14 to number one. You're welcome. You're all welcome. <laughs> this has been a super fun show, everybody. We have loved catching you up on our distance. Uh, our first distance podcast and featuring our special celebrity guest, Krista Beck. And then as Chris brought to us this fun, hot topic for us to talk about, uh, it's just been a real treat and I'm so excited that you stuck with us. So make sure to like, subscribe, share, follow, and we are only still one continent away from being completely around the world. Remember this week, that life is too short to wake up in the morning with regret. So love the people who treat you right, forget about the ones who don't, and believe that everything happens for a reason. If you get a chance, take it. If it changes your life, let it. Nobody said that it would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Chris. And I'm Christine. And until next week, keep moving forward.